I want to thank our sponsors, Athletic Greens, who created AG1, one of the most innovative packets of supplements, including 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. These ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I personally started using Athletic Greens and love the way I feel in the morning after I drink it. And I no longer have energy crashes throughout the day. And the best part is that it's delicious. The founder of Athletic Greens created AG1 because he experienced a ton of gut health and ended up on a complicated and expensive supplement routine to recover. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash yasmine. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash yasmine, Y-A-S-M-E-E-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, my name is Yasmine Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today's episode is about inner voice versus mind chatter and creating your own reality with Adriana Reed. I had the pleasure of meeting Adriana at Rancho La Puerta a couple weeks ago and just fell in love with her workshop and her work. Her area of expertise focuses on public and human relations through human development, and due to her integrative career path in international relations as a diplomat of her country for over 10 years and her master's degree in education specializing in counseling, she's acquired a great social sensitivity and spirit of service, allowing her to expand her capacity for action, synthesis, and analysis in political, economic, and social integration processes coming to one conclusion, that there is a gap between our personal development, who we are as human beings, and our roles and functions, what we do in order to get or have what we think we need. I am so excited to welcome Adriana to the show. Welcome, Adriana. Thank you very much, Yasmin. Thank you very much for the generous presentation of my work. And yeah, I mean, it was a great pleasure to meet you also. So I believe everything happens for a reason. And now I'm here uh, before your audience and let's play. Yeah. So Adriana, I you know just want to also um, let the audience know that when I sat through your workshop and demonstration about the blueprint of our emotional reality, I really had a lot of aha moments and big awakenings and perspective shifts in, in that workshop. And it was so profound that I just knew I had to have you on the show so we could help our audience really um, understand you know, that kind of emotional regulation. So, so can you tell us, just to kick it off, what is mind chatter and how is that different from the inner voice? Well, the way we present mind chatter at B2B coaching, and later on we can explain what it is about the company that I um, created after this journey. But the mind chatter, we explain it as an unhealthy monologue that happens in our heads. Um, Instead of a dialogue, which is what I propose, so that people can actually start um, 
talking to themselves in this healthy way, um, our mind chatter is made of parts of us that disconnected from our source of love. And our inner voice could be our intuition, um, the one that speaks from knowing. And it's not the intellectual understanding. It's the, the experience of us that can talk from really knowing and from wisdom. So we have both, right? We have this mind chatter and we have this inner voice. And what I propose is to make a distinction because if we rule our lives from our mind chatter, we all know how it comes about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think most of us have monologues in our head of, you know, things that we were going to say or should have said, or just like ruminating through uh, conversations. But it's so funny when you say it that way. It just sounds, it's like, it's such a, a, a profound insight already that no one has really you know, accurately defined that, like that we are just in a monologue and not a dialogue. So I want to actually talk about that piece, like the difference between the two. We have an audience from over 70 countries, so they might not understand that that difference. Um, so can you kind of give us an example of like, what's a monologue that you would have running through your brain versus what's, what's like a better, healthier way um, and moving into that dialogue? Of course. Um, well, the monologue is when we are not centered and as a matter of fact, I would love to start this way. It doesn't matter where you are listening, when you are listening, and even if you're driving, because I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm just going to bring you to the present moment with this amazing technique that we use that it should have been taught for to us in kindergarten because it's so simple that we oversee it and we don't do it. But just to come back to our centers, just to know where our inner voice comes from. And then whatever else is our mind chatter. So if uh, we're ready to play, I would ask you to just observe what's around you. We're going to activate our five senses at the same time. So if you want to play along, just observe what's around. And um, we have activated our sense of sight. And also we can notice that we have activated our sense of hearing because you can listen to my voice and yours and uh, the noises in our background. And we can also feel um, our sense of touch by, you know, wherever we are and what we're holding and our body sitting on a chair and also uh, taste. You know, whatever we had last, like a zip of coffee or anything, like maybe I just brushed my teeth or anything in my taste and smell. And by activating our five senses at the same time, just try to worry about anything. Mm. <laughs> there's no space. Yeah, there's no space for worry because you're you're paying attention to what's around you and that's really wonderful because I, I, uh, I thought I was present until I just did the <laughs> the five senses <laughs> activation and um, just realized, yeah, I think like how many of us do really you know sit and and um, feel into our taste or or are looking around the room, kind of observing the room or making this like spatial uh, you know reference. Um, yeah, it's a very powerful move, Adriana. I love that. So if you come here, if you come back to your center, this is you, right? This is from where you make decisions. 
Other than that, uh, we're probably reacting to anything or any thought that we have. It's in our subconscious. It works as a recording. It records everything since conception. So every experience, every thought, it's in there. We need to develop um, a way to come back to our centers and to know that we could become the observer of everything that comes up from this place. So to come back to the first uh, question, it's like, how can we distinguish our mind chatter from our inner voice? The first exercise that I suggest is cultivate this sense of being present to your life. And um, from there, just, you know, a best suggestion is to get a journal, like any notebook can help. Um, even if you are there, you know, listening to this podcast and taking notes, that could be your journal. It's uh, question your thoughts, you know, start noticing that sometimes you do have a monologue, but if you come back to your center, you can start questioning from that space and then it becomes a dialogue. So is that how you also make decisions? Like you have to kind of be in a present space and, and really activate these senses and then you start making decisions? Because I imagine that, you know, that's probably a more powerful way to, to sort of choose what you want to do in your life. Yeah. I mean, something that I really teach at that um, seminar and when I do workshops at workplaces and individuals with their emotional boot camps is um, we have to learn to know ourselves because we know ourselves from what we get around us, from the responses that people have around us. There's a lot of people worried about what other people think. And we give a little space to who we are. And um, you were reading that on your generous presentation. It's, I really came about that we need to bridge the gap between our personal development, who we are as human beings, who we are being and what we do. Because we are trained since we were very, very little. We were programmed to do stuff in order to get or in order to receive, or in order to get validation, approval. Um, so it's the first thing I invite people is to, you know, go in this journey of uh, self-knowledge. Who am I really? Mm, yeah, powerful. And uh, Adriana, how are our feeling level decisions stored in our subconscious? Can you sort of uh, walk through that and some of the ways that our mind chatter kind of owns our reality or takes over our reality? And like, how does it get stored in our subconscious too? I I can start by explaining something. And once again, I will love for your listeners to imagine, right? So we are in a five-star womb service when we are in our mom's tummy. We all we were all born from a mom, right? Regardless of the experiences that we had later, just imagine yourself as a baby, right? As you know, from conception to nine months, if you're not premature like me, but <laughs> um, just play around, just imagine. So every need is met instantaneously. We have 
the perfect temperature. We have the perfect nutrition. We don't know we are crumpled up in this little space. So we don't have any way to compare and we are not conscious about what's going on. But what I mean by feeling level decisions is just imagine what you felt when the day you were born, when if it's like a normal pregnancy, mom and dad are celebrating that you're born. In the majority of cases, it's like generally speaking. But this baby, you know, we are detached from source. We are detached from something missing, right? So everything starts in a way of um, making decisions about our feelings. We are not conscious about them, but it feels scary to be separated. It feels scary to feel abandonment. And speaking of which, this is the best way to explain why we all share as human beings um, this wound, this abandonment wound. And from uh, Lisa Borboa's work, which is something I base my work to also, it's the um, five wounds that we all share, which will be betrayal, abandonment, lack of justice, humiliation, and rejection. This abandonment wound is the first one and the best way to explain that we all share um, this fear of being left alone and this fear of being not seen, which you can see of um, around the world is when you don't see people, when people don't feel seen, they start acting out. So if we come back to what I need from myself, this love and appreciation and validation, we rarely give it to ourselves and we're looking for it out there. So this is, nobody will know you better than you. And to start this journey to self-discovery, it's okay. I now understand that this first feeling level decisions, if I don't question them, they will rule my life. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, powerful. And I love that you also, um, you know, share that we all share these, every human shares these these wounds of abandonment. And um, it's just something I think that we haven't really accepted in culture today that we're all walking around with these like very human woundings and and that's okay. And, um, and, and so Adriana, like I love to dive into uh the discussion that you had at the workshop about working with our child, our adolescent, our parent, and our ego. Because I think for me, that uh, concept or that construct was super, super helpful, you know, in terms of understanding my own mind. Of course. And uh, once again, for your listeners, I adapted everything that you are going to read on B2B if um, you have your have curiosity on going on my website. Um, everything is adapted from my inner journey, which we will talk about later. But um, just to explain, this is something that has to do with like parts therapy that some of your listeners may be aware of or this inner child therapy. So the way I approach this is um, if we start journaling and writing out and I offer your audience, um, if you go to my website and uh, we can download some of the takeaways for today and also like this worksheet for journaling with these voices where 
uh, if we separate this mind chatter as this voices in our heads as parts of us that were disconnected from love, we do have an inner child in the positive, which is our free child. Uh, we all have experiences of that, regardless of the traumatic events we went through. Um, we also have an inner child in the negative, which is the adaptive one. Um, we have also an inner adolescent in the positive, which is the adventurous. And an inner adolescent in the negative, which is the panicked, right? We all can relate when we were growing up and on those adolescent years when we didn't have answers to everything, either we were in the adventurous or the panic. Uh, we also have this parental figure uh, voice in our head that is in the positive, that is nurturing, that is cheering up for us. And But we also have the critic in the negative, the shoulds and shouldn'ts. And that part of the ego that you were mentioning is um, the ego was supposed to give us messages. It was our messaging system, but something went wrong and we started to give the ego um, the ability to make decisions on our negative beliefs and experiences in life. It, it, it came to be not just the messenger, but also the decision maker. So if we see it as a voice in our head, it's the resentful one, the self-righteous, the, the one that is not able to respond in the present moment because it doesn't have time to come back to our center. And the ego and the positive is this part of a healthy, responsible adult where we become able to respond. So this is eight, you know, <laughs> voices in our heads that if we learn how to establish a dialogue between them and ourselves in our center, we can ask what's going on and they're going to respond. Wow. Yeah. And so let's work with an example uh, from this. Maybe let's pick like a child or adolescent, because I think those are fun. <laughs> those are ones I think a lot of people have difficulty with. So let's do like the negative child and the negative adolescent. What is maybe one example um, of that? Okay. Are you willing to um be our demo <laughs> sure why not <laughs> okay just tell me something simple what what is something that you want and haven't been able to do hmm you know i i feel like i i feel like i i feel like i've done a lot of things that i want i mean and maybe um i you know maybe the reaction piece like some sort of uh, reaction? Or are you looking for more of an example? Um, I'm trying to think. Give me give me more of an example, Adriana. Okay, I'll I'll use one um, on my end that uh, took me a while to process. I am I'm there now, so it's the the one that I shared at that time that we met. It's like me writing a book, right? Oh, okay, okay, got it. So. Um, uh, there's like a tug war between an invisible force on my wanting to write a book and my ability to sit down and concentrate. So when I process this, what's in my mind chatter, right? So it's like my inner child in the positive, but like my free one is like, well, if you want to do it, why don't you write it, right? And then when I ask my inner child in the negative, um, she responded, um, it's scary. Are you going to put 
yourself out there in the world? Um, are you sure you want to do that? It's like all this doubt. Um, when I ask my inner adolescent in the positive, it's like, well, is this what you want to do? Why you don't do it? And the panic is against the people are going to judge you and um, see what I mean. It's all these dialogues that if I adapted to some voice in my head, they relate to an experience that I had. Probably a third grade teacher mentioned something about me putting myself out there. But then if I go to the parental figure in the positive, they could say, I mean, the response could be, um, yeah, why not? Or in the critic, it's like, am I good enough? Um, do I know enough? And um, of course, the healthy, responsible adult, which is the one that's listening to all this, it's like, well, get yourself to write. But when I get distracted from this writing, I question myself, what's going on, right? Because it's a process, it's a journey. And what I suggest is that if um, your audience wants to go through this um, dialogue or, or cultivating this dialogue with themselves, it's ask the question and it's the first thing that pops up. The first thing that if you're asking this part of you as your inner child in the negative, it's like, okay, what's going on there? And the first thing that comes up, just register it. And I suggest journaling because our mind goes a lot faster than our writing. And if you later come up and read, you will get a lot more information of what's going on inside your head of why you can't um, access to what you really want. Right, right. That's so powerful. Yeah. I I think um, what was interesting for me is the the adolescent piece. Like I, I personally have been working a lot with like the inner child. Um, I had never really heard the inner adolescent, the piece that I think a lot of people struggle with and a lot of people, you know, haven't really sorted out. And, um, something that sticks out to me is the, uh, I believe if I can recall correctly, it's now been a while since I was at the ranch with you, but, um, that the adolescent negative was all about the martyr and, yeah. and what was the expression of it? It was kind of like, a, a rebellious or some sort of energy of, um, of rebelliousness, but you would you would know better than I I would. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and and that's good for you to talk about this because we can complement all the information that I just gave about the voices. Um, our children are victims, right? Every kid needs an adult to survive. When it comes to the adolescent, oh, and the children, they think they are the only ones. They haven't discovered that those this social. Um, interactions that the adolescent comes to mind and now they know they're not the only ones but they feel the most important so when it comes to locating or analyzing our voices um the adolescent is a martyr right it's the um why everybody has this specific uh, gadget and not me or why everybody's going to the party and not me so it's all the suffering part of getting their, themselves on the, the short end of the stick and complaining about it so then it starts to be a self-righteous thing when we listen to that 
Um, even when we fight with or we have arguments with our kids, for those of you who have them, even when we have arguments with our some colleagues or spouses or anything, we can, if we allow ourselves to really dive deep into this journey of self-discovery, we know that it's not our healthy adult in that argument. <laughs> it is either right. our, <laughs> it, it is either our adolescent in the martyrhood or our child in the victimhood, or in this parental shoulds and shouldn'ts. But if we really acknowledge that we can extract ourselves from that discussion and come back to our center, we will approach any discussion in a different way. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so it's so fascinating. The the victim, the martyr, and um, I, I forget the last two negatives: the parent and the ego. What were they again? The parental, uh, yeah, the parent and the ego. The parent is the shoulds and shouldn'ts because we have a critic, you know, inside of our heads. Um, and I was sharing, I mean, my dad passed away eight years ago and I still hear his voice saying what I should and shouldn't be doing, right? We have them there. And um, and another thing that I share that day and, and um I'm pretty sure we want to acknowledge this too, because not always we feel in a place where, oh, okay, let me activate my five senses. No, we need, yeah, we we sometimes don't even have time because our reaction, our responses are not there. Um, what I suggest people also, as, as we mentioned this eight uh, integrators of our mind chatter or our mental interference, another way to put it. Um, I also invite them to think about five people in the world, alive or dead, that have been a positive influence on their lives and have them handy. Why? Because there's going to come a time where I'm caught up in one of these mind chatters and I need help. And this help um, what I call the emergency meeting, it's an exercise where if you imagine you're the CEO of the most important enterprise of your life and you can fire, hire, or you know promote accordingly, uh, sometimes when we don't remember that, that we are the CEOs and we can make decisions from our healthy adult, uh, what happens to a company when they need some help? They hire, you know, the board members of or company consultants. This is the meaning of the five people or the five um, positive influences that I suggest that people have. And name them and write them down while you are at peace and in your center because you will need them. <laughs> Mm. And it's just, it's sort of just like tapping into what they would say to you. You, uh -huh. you don't actually have to call them. Okay. Got it. So that's, that's super, super helpful. Um, and just cause a lot of times when we're in like a, you know, a trance or in a fight or flight mode, we often just default and it's, you know, like I, the example is like Will Smith just going up on stage and like throwing a punch. I mean, he was in a trance, right? Um, yeah. And it, it's so interesting when we're in trances that I think people sometimes don't know, you know, they go unconscious maybe mm -hmm. like they, they're sort of like this uh, disconnection from self. So having um, access to this, these five people, I think that's like really powerful uh, point and also one um, 
you know, I'm kind of now thinking about who my five people would be. (laughs) Especially because as you mentioned, I mean, sometimes we're caught up in the middle of an emotional breakdown and we need them handy, right? Because they do know, okay, let me, let me try to explain this in a different way so that your audience can pick it up. We always have the best, really the best uh, advice to a friend. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So this is exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about. It's like, um, if we don't believe in ourselves that we do know better for ourselves, uh, we admire people. We admire this positive influence, uh, group in our lives. So in the meantime, we get it. In the meantime, we trust ourselves and come back to our centers as a, as a habit. Um, we can have them handy because believe me, it requires honesty. And when I say honesty, it means to be brutally honest with ourselves. And sometimes if we don't want to acknowledge something obvious to the public, we know better. And it could be a part of us that is protecting itself to be harmed or wounded again. But um, it is a good way to remember that even if we believe that we are not alone. Right. 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 Yeah. That, that sense of, I think that's why people react. They sort of feel disconnected from themselves and that's a scary place to be, right? It's very triggering to feel super disconnected from oneself and others. Um, and, and so Adriana, I want to understand like, how do we cultivate a healthy dialogue with ourselves? questioning it (laughs) so this to stop the monologues and um the best way is to let ourselves talk you know let ourselves uh write as i said i suggest rather than just thinking just register your thoughts and uh, if you're willing to register them on what part of me is talking um and come back to our center, then we can start this dialogue. If I am in my center and I'm asking, okay, what's going on? And I have this space like, you know, having coffee with myself, I can register my dialogue and my monologues too and reread them. And from there, just, okay, what's best here? Okay, I know you are going through this and this and that, but reading it from my center we have the answers because they come from within, regardless of what we were trained that we look for ourselves where we're not. And we try to look for validation outside ourselves. The validation needs to come up with um, self-love and self-esteem. So we cultivate that. We start seeing that, okay, perfection is out there. We don't need to be perfect as we thought when we were four, because if we didn't, Uh, respond to life as other people expected, then we lost the attention, the validation from others. We're not for anymore. So this is why I think this work is very important because we tend, um, we go through emotional self-sufficiency, which is the best way to be there for yourself. 
Yeah. And speaking of emotions, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about your blueprint of our emotional reality. So I attended two of your workshops and uh, one of the workshops was more on the emotional piece. And like you spoke about um, the emotional state ladder and like resonance with high frequency emotions. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and really, um, you know, walk through what these these different types of emotions are and how how they impact your reality really. Of course. Um, in our reality, and I invite you to just think and question that while I'm talking, because I invite everybody just to take it for checking, right? There's an invisible talk between two forces. And one is acceptance and one is resistance. Whether I am accepting or resisting, I also invite people to question the meaning of words um, for example, um, responsibility, right? If you ask me at seven years old what responsibility meant, I would say, you know, do my homework, make my bed, um, you know, have my uniform ready for the next day at school. That was being responsible. For, but today, the meaning of responsibility is different. It's having the ability to respond to the impact that I provoke in life and the same thing goes to acceptance and resistance. If we question the meaning, acceptance doesn't mean that we have to agree with something. It doesn't mean we like it or that we have to like it. Um, it means being okay with what is and uh, choosing it as a starting point with no intent to control it. So... This will allow ourselves to see clearly without judgment to what is, right? And the resistance, which is the other force, um, we tend to see resistance as a bad thing. But I invite you to look at it in a different way today. It's not a bad thing. It is a set of beliefs or thoughts or identities or even emotions or aspects of you that made a decision that was useful in the past. So these parts of us, our inner um, adolescent in this adaptive mode, made a decision that something was scary So to protect ourselves, right? So this resistance, sometimes it is there um, and it was put there by you to prevent you from ending up in situations that you previously thought were painful dangerous or unsafe. So our responsibility today is to revise those thoughts, identities, emotions, beliefs, and agreements that we came to when we were very little or younger, um, because we could still live our lives from those. Hmm. Fascinating. So even like something like you know, opening our hearts is scary, right? Because when we were a kid, like maybe something happened or when we were an adolescent, something happened. It's kind of an example, yeah. Those are the feeling levels, right? Because sometimes people think that talking therapy will make it work. And um, I can get um, feedback from psychologists here, but some of those feeling level decisions um, were installed in our softwares or in our programming or in our subconscious at the feeling level. So there are no words to explain the abandonment in the wound when I was born, 
right? I can put words to my fears because one other thing that I like to explain about emotions, it's an emotion, um, it's not good or bad as we learned it when we were growing up. It is a messaging system. It is a container between my thoughts and my responses to those thoughts or the feelings that I have. So if I question my emotions from that point, I can be an observer. What's going on in my body? The This hole in my stomach when I am anxious, if I, instead of eating or smoking or drinking, I stop and say, hey, this is a thought and a feeling. What is the thought? What is the recurrent thought on my on this emotion that I have? And sometimes it could be a projection of a possible negative outcome into the future, which is anxiety. And sometimes it could be the anger or the reactivity of a non-met expectation. Or sometimes it could be a remember or a memory of, of a traumatic event in my past. But um to come to the understanding that I'm not four, 10, 15, or 18 anymore, that gives me um, power, but not in the power over someone, but power in the I can do something about it. Mm. So Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And I think like pausing to ask what is a thought, what is a feeling is a really powerful exercise because I think what most people I think go through is that they go on this monologue journey <laughs> that takes them, you know, down some road. So I think pausing and, but you, I think, I mean, it seems like you have to practice this or have like extreme self-awareness to be able to, to kind of stop yourself before you go down these, these ro uh, roads. Um, how long did it take you to kind of create this process and really live it and be it? Um, well, uh, thank you for this question, because it gives me the opportunity to honor my teachers once again. I always take advantage of the possibility to thank them, because think of it this way. Everything we know, we learned it from someone, whether in an experiential way at the feeling level or in a teacher-student environment. So in this case, uh, B2B coaching came through me. It's like through my life journey and experiences through resilience, pain, hurt. Um, so, you know, a little bit about my story so people could relate that if I could make it, anybody can make it, right? I was, um, uh, you know, overprotective, and by my parents, like I was born in a very conservative, uh, very, I describe it as a bubble. Um, but in my bubble, there were two brothers of mine that were troubled, you know, they were, uh, they were not good at school. So they got all the attention. So I became an overachiever because I was looking for this attention. So I, you name it, I was member of every single sport and I got medals and I was, you know, studying at school and I became the best at, at everything because I thought that I was going to get attention that way. And I didn't. Right. So I met, um, long story short, I met my ex-husband in church where I thought it was going to be a guarantee. It wasn't. Right. Um, and I married with him because of the role play, 
You know, I learned from my parents that were like an amazing couple. Um, and I learned how to act and how to react in a world as I learned it from my mom. So I didn't notice red flags. I didn't notice anything. And I thought it was a guarantee because I met him at church. So it was a very, you know, abusive relationship. And um, we had a premature baby or a middle child was premature. And the diagnosis at two days old was uh, he's probably not going to walk. He's probably not going to control his sphincters. So I started learning alternative medicine because I didn't swallow that diagnose from the doctor. But um, alternative medicine and a very conservative and overprotective environment, that's a clash of thoughts with my upbringing. So it was also me against what should be and shouldn't be. Um, so I distanced myself from, you know, I remember I mentioned my dad, the word energy, and they believed in God, right? So it was different. So um, long story short, after 13 years of marriage, everything fell apart uh, for me. He came out of the closet being gay. So um, I was like, everything fell apart. My story, my um, dreams, everything that I have worked for. And he was a politician. He was not very fond of letting me do what I wanted because, um, and I mentioned in those workshops, I really thank him. He's my teacher as well, because if it hadn't been for that and for his own story of suffering, I would still be there, right? And who knows, maybe the way I was raised, I would have shut down and don't say anything. And so it's it's the resilience and it's the pain and it's the hurt, but it's also the grit of um, we're more than just a background of um, beliefs and conditioning and this must serve someone. So um, the thought between us got really crazy because he was, as I mentioned, a politician. So he had, uh, there was a lot of corruption in my country. So uh, there was no justice. So he took everything. So I moved to San Diego with my three kids at that time, um, seven, nine, and 11. With at that time, my boss, whom I was studying human software engineering, and he said, why don't you come here and help me and uh, we'll figure it out. And that's when my own healing journey started. Instead of just responding to life of all this series of events, um, I started realizing what I had gone through. Because on one day, given day, it doesn't, it was not a special day, but he said, um, why don't you, and he talked to a group of people, why don't you uh, come up with uh, presentations around uh, PTSD symptoms, not the syndrome per se, but he started pointing out and he asked one person to uh, to research about daymares and nightmares. And when he comes to me, he said, I want you to investigate and research about uh, how these guys go about on domestic violence. So I came home and I started reading around domestic violence and 
I started sobbing in my chair. It's like reading this 32 symptoms of domestic violence. I had 23 and I was not even aware, right? Um, I remember the lawyer uh, that had my case, he asked me if I was a victim of domestic violence and I said, no. Um, So all these things about the human being that we don't know because we are so busy responding to life because we think that validation, acceptance, and connection are out there. It really gave me the hint of, okay, girl, you better start doing something for yourself, right? Because I literally, after reading that list of um, symptoms, I stood up and I saw myself in the mirror and I started hogging myself and this is probably the first time I had this open dialogue within myself and say, hey, what's going on, right? I saw myself with compassion and with this loving um, uh, willingness to do something about it. I was raising kids. I was um, putting not just emotional, I mean, not, I I didn't raise my kids only um, emotionally, but also financially. So I was, I was there all for them. So I had to heal myself at that moment. So, um, it's a, it's a warrior story, (laughs) uh, but, um, it gave me all these opportunities to meet people, to read about stuff, to integrate it now today in a way that, um, I know it helps people. And, um, and I know it's a self-discovery journey. Otherwise, um, we're just patching, right? Mm, I love that. I love your resiliency, Adriana. Thank you so much for sharing that story and for sharing your vulnerability. I also would love to just share with the audience that, you know, this, this is a very happy ending as well. Like not only did you build your business and, um, been working really closely with, so many different types of organizations and people and especially veterans, but you also got married again, right? And that preemie baby (laughs) is now very healthy and, um, but you, you can share what you shared with me at the ranch, but I was so, um, moved by, by your story and, and just the level of resiliency and, and also, um, yeah, I think it's important to share with our audience that anything is possible after a, a really, difficult moment in time. Oh yeah. And then I didn't share this with you, but this is new. <laughs> the premature baby that was not going to walk and control his fingers. He is a graduate uh, from San Diego state as an accountant. He's on uh, one exam out from getting his CPA and he ran the um, rock and roll marathon last week here in San Diego and he finished it. And, um, very proud of him. And, you know, it's anything is possible, really anything. Love that so much. Amazing. So uh, how do you work with people? So you have B2B, it's BE2BE-coaching as your organization. How do you work with people? If someone walks in, um, what's your process and what are people oftentimes looking to heal or looking to work on? Um... During our first session, for example, um, 
I want clients to understand the principles of how our conditioned responses and limiting beliefs have shaped us, but also helped us and protected us along the way. Um, this could also be unconsciously blocking the way for us to achieve our dreams and our desires. So the best thing to have a new client and a new client understanding what we do is um because sometimes they come through word of mouth and sometimes through my blogs and magazines or broadcast interviews but I start by explaining them the matrix of knowledge and um why although we are wired to handle our emotions and our capacity to feel we do have it, but it's underdeveloped. Nobody taught us how to use it. Nobody taught us how to feel. So we talk about the whys of seeking help and what is their goal. And then uh, we start by um, what I offer. What's my program's name? It's an emotional boot camp, which is a 12-session program. Uh, but for those who have gone through the program, which is a training program, I offer them a timeline session. Like for example, they are facing this blockage on something. They are um, switching gears, they are changing jobs, they are, and uh, the model, the B2B coaching model, it's we decode the negative belief or the blockages, we process them with this inner dialogue and we realize who's talking and who's leading in our mind chatter. Uh, we recode it and we reconnect to the love that we are. So um, it sounds simple, but once people go through this boot camp, which is a training, they learn all these things that we have been talking about. And um, and I'm what what I would say is I teach them how to be their own coaches. Cause they this is an underdeveloped capacity to feel, but we do have it. So with this spiral techniques that I'm, I think that we use some of them when you were there at the ranch and I call them spiral model techniques because it refers to a set of techniques gathered and perfectioned along the way to work as tools um, just as the one that we used at the beginning with our presence, just activate our five senses um and be present we we can enhance or develop our ability to move the energy stored in our body so that's this is why i call them spiral because when we are depressed we are spiral down and when we are super excited and loving we are spiral up and you were mentioning that on the second workshop that you got the opportunity to be there it's like how our emotions are ranked also in energetic uh, vibrational levels and um yeah it's uh it's it's fascinating the way people learn how to deal with this emotional wounding and um just give them back the hope that their story is an amazing story regardless of the pain because they it, it is a starting point for the best future that they can have Hmm, amazing. And Adriana, are there some stories that you could share of people that have really transformed with this work or like really shifted their lives? Like what is there maybe one example that you could give without naming names? 
Yeah, I mean, I do have testimonials on my website and um, I am really very humble because when they say, oh, you changed my life, I know it's not. I know it's maybe through me, but only realizing, I mean, just realizing that they can do something about that they are not victims or martyrs of their story anymore and that they can actually uh, come to a place where they are able to respond to life in a different way that they have been because they were crippled by their story. Um, it is amazing. I can I can tell you about uh, lots of them. Even my crew, when I was helping vets recover from PTSD symptoms, some of them are still my friends and they are like, once again, hey, you changed my life. And I'm like, no, I did not. I, I just gave you back the ability to do it on your own. Mm. I'm so moved by your work, Adriana. And what about something that's surprised you uh, on this journey? Like what sort of things looking back have surprised you the most? Um, people are scared to confront their past and emotional wounds. Their faces, when they come back from this guided uh, techniques it's like they open their eyes and they are like whoa right it's like um just to explain a little bit it's uh i use an analogy of this toy story sky that we have like a blue blue sky and this um, cumulus clouds there uh, every time we have a torment or a ang anxious thought or any traumatic event uh, from the past it is as if we were in this cloud. And um, when we come back to our center on this activating our five senses, it, it is as if we were in the blue, blue sky. So just as a matter, and the way I explain these examples, it's because I explained to you that we have the capacity to feel, but our emotional being has like four years old. So the way, why, why I explain like so simple examples is for our minds to make sense of what I'm saying. <laughs> so to guide people through the energy blockage of a traumatic event or an anxious period in their lives, it's to extract themselves from the cloud that they are living in, bring them back to the blue, blue sky. So this surprise is the aha moments that they get when they open their eyes after 15 minutes of guiding them through these exercises and having them see for themselves. It's amazing. Mm, amazing. Amazing. So wonderful. So Adriana, where can people find you? Where Where's your website and what kind of uh, ways can we contact you to, to learn more about your work? Of course. I can share with you. Um, my website is www b2b it's be number two dash be coaching.com and um is there a way for your audience to access uh to the website on your uh, social media because i can also add up uh some takeaways of today and this um dialogue works so that they can start you know, like get their own inner dialogue. I, I offer them that, that to them for your listeners. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's on my website. Um, you can see, 
I do have the emotional boot camp. And for workplace, I also uh, share this with companies because uh, my goal is for them to bridge the gap once again be- between the personal development of their employees and their ability to perform in a better way, but from within, not because they are getting a you know a raise or because they are getting a validation, but from within. And um, this could be you know, eye-opening for many and uh, for others, a reminder, but we are human beings, not human doers. So um, this is how my work is based. And once again, www.b2b-coaching.com. And yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Adriana, thank you so much for your work. This is so powerful. And I just can't wait for people to dive into this episode and learn more about how to regulate their emotional world and also reach out to you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And uh, just to close, I want to give your audience another way of thinking at their emotions, because sometimes it's scary. Um, we are programmed and trained to think that a healthy life is to eat healthy and exercise. And that if we eat healthy and we move to some extent, we are okay. But think of it this way. We have four levels of existence in our bodies. We have the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. We can't just focus on the physical body and expect a healthy life. So the question is, and I would be ending this amazing space that you gave B2B and myself to share, what are you doing to exercise your mind or diet and exercise your emotions? Mm. Powerful, powerful. (laughs) Thank you so much, Adriana. What a, a beautiful inquiry for us to be sitting with and thinking about, um, especially as we move through our life perhaps quite unconsciously. So thank you for your work. Um, So thank you to our audience. Uh, Thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about inner voice versus mind chatter and creating your own reality with Adriana Reed. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.